All right. Chapter one. This that's where we're going to start out today. Um, last week I kind of hinted a little bit about what we were going to talk about today. Um, I mentioned that it's not it's not really a two part series or anything like that. Um, obviously they relate because we talked about or we talked out of the Bible last week. We're talking out of the Bible this week. Um, but we had uh, talked about um, the people in the book of Haggai, the Israelites, as they had come back out of bondage. And uh, after time, they had lost focus on what it was that they were supposed to be doing. And uh, we also noticed that they were making excuses to God. They were making excuses as to why they weren't building God's house right now. And they were just kind of putting that off. Uh, and I mentioned last week at that point that this week we we're going to be talking about ministry. Um, and a little bit of, about how sometimes we can push God off and we can kind of, uh, kind of try and stiff arm him and uh, say, God, I, I know you want me to do this. I know you're calling me to do this, but right now isn't the right time for me. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that um, today. But the main thing that we're going to talk about is what should ministry look like. Um, so if you're looking for a title to put on top of your notes, that's what it should say, what should ministry look like. Um, and so this... Uh, this whole idea of what ministry should look like and I guess how it developed into a sermon really started back at the beginning of the year. We had a, a meeting for the people in the church who are um, leading different ministries, whatever it was. Um, and there were a few things that I took away from that. You know, obviously we were doing a lot of the, the planning of what it is that we're wanting to do for our ministries for the year. Um, but um, we also talked as far as, you know, what should we be doing as ministry leaders? What's expected of us? Um, and the whole spiritual aspect of it. And so that's kind of where this comes from, this idea of what ministry should look like. Um, and we all know from growing up, whether it's in the church or outside of the church and visiting churches as we get older, whatever it might be, we know that there's many different models of ministry. Um, I mean, for example, at home on my bookshelf, not to brag that I have a bookshelf, that doesn't mean I read all the time, but you know, I can look at my bookshelf and I have probably 30 different books just on youth ministry. And they're all going to have their own different kind of take on different things. So, you know, that's an example of how there's many different models of ministry. Um, and pretty much every different church, they all do their own version of what ministry is. Everybody has kind of their own take. You could ask 10 different pastors, and they're all going to give you probably 10 different definitions of what ministry is. Um, but the key is that it should all be focused towards the same thing. And that's really what we're going to kind of talk about today. Um, but the reason that you see so many different, I guess, definitions of ministry, so many different uh, models of it, is that we can't look in the Bible somewhere and turn to a page and we can't read the five keys to a successful Sunday school ministry or, you know, whatever that ministry might be. Um, or we can't look to a certain page and read a specific definition of ministry, like you could turn uh, into a dictionary and find out what it says. Um, so I kind of tried to put together my own definition, and we're going to kind of reference back to it. Um, throughout the morning, uh, and in no way is this the, like, the final definition of what ministry, I'm not saying I have the exact understanding of what ministry is, this isn't the 100%, you know, this is ministry definition, um, but I'm going to go ahead and read that off to you right now. Uh, ministry is when we use our resources and programs to reach, serve, and spread the gospel throughout our community, our country, and throughout the world. So I'm going to read that again real quick for you. Ministry is when we use our resources and programs to reach, serve, and spread the gospel throughout our community, our country, and throughout the world. So 
like I said, we're going to kind of reference back to this a couple of times throughout the morning. Um, but I had you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we're actually going to read some verses here, and then we're going to jump over to chapter 3. Um, but what I want to focus on, uh, there's going to be kind of three questions we're going to focus on as far as what ministry should look like. And the first thing that we're going to look at in this passage is the foundation. What should the foundation be? Um, and then the second one, the second question we're going to be asking is who is it for? Who is ministry for? And then the final thing that we're going to kind of talk about is the purpose. What's the purpose of ministry? And so once we um, get all of those three uh, kind of out there and look into those, we can then kind of get a picture of what ministry should look like. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says there, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all, th with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours and grace be unto you and peace from, our, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For, God, for Christ sent me not to, have to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made, none, made of none effect. And then jump real quick over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to kind of get a little bit of a continuation of this. Um, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9 there. 1 Corinthians 3, chapter one, or verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions, and are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who, when is Paul, who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. All right, so um, just to kind of get a little bit of a background here, and you, we kind of read there in chapter 3 how 
the people of the church of Corinth, they were kind of spiritually immature. He talks to them, he says, I need to talk to you as if you were babes. He's saying that he, need, he wants to feed them meat, but they, they can't handle that. Instead, he needs to feed them milk. So he's really just kind of saying, I got to have to kind of lower my, my speaking down to you so that you can uh, understand and really comprehend what it is that, that we need to really understand as far as being part of the body of Christ. So we saw in, in chapter 1 and chapter 3 as well um, that the people in the church, they were torn. And they weren't torn about, you know, that... Jesus came and, and offered salvation. That's not what we read them being torn about. Um, but it could slowly develop into something like that. Really what they're torn about is some of them are saying that, you know, they're following after what Paul said. Some are saying, well, Paul said this, I'm going to follow, follow after him. Uh, the fact is that Paul is saying that we were all used by Christ. Um, Paul, Apollos, and Cephas. Um, and he wanted to remind them, remind the people of the church that they were all sent by Christ and used by Christ. And that it wasn't foundational, or the foundation was not Paul, Apollos, or Cephas. And that's really where they were kind of arguing over. And we've seen that, um, you know, in churches today where we kind of argue over um, little kind of, you know, real tiny things. Uh, you know, Pastor John, he's talked about, you know, churches, they argue about the color of the carpet, and we get so caught up in small things like that, little tiny things, and we're overlooking why we're even here in the first place, why we even come on a Sunday morning or whenever it is that we come here, what it is that we're called to be as Christians and as the body of Christ. We're overlooking that. We're focusing on small little things. And so Paul's really trying to reinforce to them that, listen, yes, I came and I helped get your church started. And Apollos, he's done some teaching. And Cephas, he's done some teaching. But as, as long as one of us or any of us goes against the teachings of Christ, then you shouldn't be listening to any of us at all because he's really trying to bring the focus back to Christ. Um, and something that this really kind of reminds me of, uh, this whole idea of making sure that our ministry, whatever it is, or our church, um, that the foundation needs to be Christ. It really just kind of brings up um, in my mind, and I, I'm sure I've used this example before, um, but my time when I was uh, at Liberty, I was on student leadership, and I know TJ, Danielle, Deanna, they've all, they were all on student leadership at one point. Deanna is right now. Um, and I know that... Uh, Myself being on student leadership, and I know not everybody has the greatest, um, I guess, experiences with it, but that really made it to where my four years there were way better than they probably could have been if I wasn't on student leadership. It allowed me to um, be able to reach more people in my dorm and, and just be able to grow closer uh, with the other guys that I was on leadership with and also grow closer to Christ. But the idea of, you know, being on student leadership how it kind of worked, and I know it's all changed now. They've changed some of the names, you know, trying to be all trendy with their names and all that. But, uh, I, you know, from what I understand, the structure is still pretty much the same. Um, but um, in the dorm itself, we had our RAs, then our SLDs, which was spiritual life director, and then we had prayer leaders. And uh, what prayer leaders would do is they would lead uh, a weekly devotional time with five or six guys from the dorm, um, and they would also just do whatever they could to minister in those guys' lives throughout the week. <clears throat> And one of the main things that was the focus was that they would pray for every single person in their prayer group every day. And then those prayer leaders were being prayed for by the SLDs and the RAs, and then people were praying for the RAs and SLDs and everybody. Um, so the ultimate goal was so that everybody on campus, everybody that was there, was being prayed for daily. So the focus, you know, a really strong focus on the power of prayer, um, which was awesome. But something that I was able to learn, especially my last couple of years while I was there, 
is that whatever it is that I'm doing, however I'm ministering to my prayer leaders, whatever the ministry is that we're doing, if it was focused on me, then when I graduate and move on, then the ministry is going to fall apart if I'm the foundation of that. And we really kind of saw this because um, each dorm at the beginning of the year, they're all kind of tasked with coming up with what is your hall theme going to be for the year, which what is your, you know, your main focus going to come back to. Um, and, you know, again, people kind of try and come up with, you know, these cool hip kind of things, uh, just try and have like a catchy catchphrase or whatever it might be. <clears throat> but we kind of realized that, yeah, we can have all these bells and whistles and fancy things and, you know, we can get shirts and all that. And there's nothing wrong with getting, you know, hall shirts or whatever it might be. But if our hall ministry is simply about, you know, having all these things, having a catchy phrase, whatever it might be, then when those of us who are over that leadership or that ministry, when we graduate and move on, what's going to happen to it? If we're the foundation and all those other things are the foundation, when those are gone, it's going to crumble. And really, we're not even serving the purpose of what the ministry is there to begin with. So uh, really, my last couple of years, I tried to really make sure that when I was, you know, spending time with my prayer leaders, that I was really making sure that whatever I was saying wasn't really my words or however I was, you know, leading them wasn't just all for me. I wanted to make sure it was all coming from the Bible, all coming from Christ. Um, that way, when I did move on, that the, the ministry would still continue to thrive and not really just fall apart. <clears throat> And that's really what Paul is uh, really kind of trying to drive home. And we especially see it in chapter 3 when he's talking about how, you know, he planted, Apollos watered, and all that. He's talking about we, we played a very important role in the ministry along the way, but ultimately God is the one who's providing the increase. You know, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how much work I'm putting into it, if I'm not doing it in the name of Christ, then nothing is really going to happen. We're not going to see any increase there. And we see Paul's focus on Christ being the number one aspect um, throughout chapter one. You know, as we were reading through it, you're probably wondering, why are we reading through the big, long greeting? You know, he goes over and over again talking about, you know, I've been hearing these things about you. I'm, I'm praying for you. All these things, I'm always thinking about you. But if you look back at the first 10 verses of chapter one, and you can look through each and every one, we see that Paul's constantly pointing to Christ in every single, every single verse that we see there whether he uses the actual name Christ or he's talking about God or talking about Christ, he's talking about him every single, every single verse that we see there in the first 10 verses. And so he's really like, this, knowing Paul and seeing how he wrote to the different churches throughout the New Testament and uh, to individuals, like guys like Timothy, um, we can really figure that this is really intentional what Paul's doing because of what he follows it up with. He's addressing the fact that the church, they're, drawing their focus away from Christ, and they're focusing on the guy who's up front teaching them. Um, and so he's really just constantly bringing up Christ, being, bringing up God, telling him, reminding them that that's where your salvation comes from. And another great example of this is really what we have going on right now, what we had going on last week. You know, Pastor John, he, he's gone. He's out in California, probably having some really nice weather, um, a little bit warmer than we are right now, which apparently, you know, we're having a little bit cooler weather for July for some reason at night. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but it's not, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, he, I'm sure he's having better weather than we are right now. Um, but the fact that he's able to, to leave and, you know, the walls don't cave in here, you know, that's, that's not a testament to him. 
yes, we're very thankful for him. And, you know, Zach was talking about it last week. We're very thankful for him and for Sandra and uh, who they are to our church. But the fact that he's able to leave and things don't fall apart, that's because he wants to make sure when he is here that the focus is Christ and it's not on him. Um, and so I want to make sure, you know, when I'm filling in for him or whoever it is, that that continues to be the focus. And so that's really, you know, what Paul's really driving at here. He's telling him, listen, it doesn't matter who's teaching you, who's uh, bringing the message, whatever it was. Uh, you know, they really just kind of met in a house. We read that in chapter one. Um, but whoever is up in front of you delivering whatever kind of message it might be, or if it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's not about that person. It's about Christ. And so that's really what Paul's driving at, pointing to Christ. Um, and we see in chapter 3, he's pointing out, he's explaining what his role is in all of this, in their church, in the ministry, um, but also reminding them that Christ gives the increase. And we see that in chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. Um, that's when he's talking about how I planted, Apollos watered, um, but God gave the increase. And so that's really what we kind of come back to, that whole idea of what should the foundation of our ministry be. And really that should have been the easiest question out of all the ones that we're addressing this morning. Um, but sometimes we can kind of lose focus on that, just like we talked about last week uh, with the Israelites. But the foundation should be Christ. So if you're keeping notes, what is the foundation? The foundation is Christ. So the next thing that we're going to look at is, I told you, the, the second question we're going to ask ourselves is, who is it for? Who is ministry for? And if you go ahead and turn to Acts chapter nine, or Acts chapter ten, we're starting verse nine. <clears throat> Acts chapter ten. And this, this idea, you know, also kind of came up a few weeks ago when Pastor John was doing the whole series on uh, Bible verses being taken out of context. And he was talking about how um, we need to preach the Bible in its context because we could say, if we just cut out a certain little phrase and say, God will always bless you, or whatever the phrase might be, we, we looked at it several different verses. Um, he was talking about, well, how, how are you going to be able to preach that to somebody over in Africa who's starving or um, whatever the case may be? And if we take different verses out of context, really what we just kind of, what we kind of pulled from that sermon series, if we're taking verses out of context and sharing it with people, and we're just taking little bits and pieces, then it doesn't apply to everybody. And we know that, the, that that's not true about the Bible. We know that the Bible applies to everybody. So it's very important that we read the Bible in its context. Um, and so that's really what we're going to be focusing on here as far as who is ministry for. So Acts chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 9. It says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit in, at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, no, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself that this vision which had been seen, which had seen should mean, which he had seen should mean, 
Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am... I am who, he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee unto his house, and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in, and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. All right, so what are we kind of looking at here? We see that Peter really, he has this vision. Um, so we see that Peter, he's talking about when God tells him to eat these things that are on the sheet that's lowered down to him, he says that he can't do it. He's never eaten anything common or unclean. What is he referencing? Um, we, we talked a little bit last week about the law and, you know, what the law was, what it was for, what the law means to us now. And that's really what he's referencing. He's, he's talking about how since he was a Jew, from the time he was born, he was raised to never eat anything that was unclean or considered common. Um, and we see God come right back. So first of all, Peter, you know, he probably feels like maybe this is a test that God's giving me. And so I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm not supposed to do that. And so he probably thinks, you know, he's doing the right thing. But the fact that he's ignoring that God told him to go ahead and eat it, by God telling him to eat it, he's saying, this is clean, this is good to eat. And so God tells him, he's like, hold on a second. What I call clean, don't call unclean. What I, what I say is good to eat, don't say it's common. Um, and so we really kind of see Peter, he's getting ready to go speak to people. He's getting ready to go speak to a large group of Gentiles. So why is that important? Um, it really comes down to, you know, something we touched on a little bit before when we focus on the little things in church. Um, you know, what time do we take the offering during the service? What kind of music do we sing? Um, these are all, you know, different preferences. These aren't things that we find in the Bible. And so he's getting ready to go bring the gospel to this large group of Gentiles who they haven't had to grow up living under the law like he did as a Jew. And so God's really just reminding him, listen, when you go and you take the gospel to them, make sure what you're giving them is the gospel and you're not adding, you know, these other things to you. And that's really what he's kind of trying to prepare him with this vision. Um, really, he learns that the gospel is for Jews and for Gentiles. And we see that in Acts chapter 10, verse 28. going to read that real quick. Um, Acts chapter 10, 28. And he said unto them, ye know, ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So he really, we see right there that he got the idea of what, what this vision was really meaning. Um, and we saw that he didn't really get it right away because we read how he's thinking about, okay, what is this really meaning? So it wasn't something that he understood right away, which we can definitely um, relate to. Sometimes when we're reading through the Bible or we're spending time in prayer with God, we're really confused as to what God is saying to us. Um, and so we can definitely relate to Peter here. Um, so we see there in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 28, that he's really understanding and really grasping the idea that the gospel that he's going to preach is for Jews and for Gentiles. Now you notice as we read through that story that God, he did eventually bring that sheet up from him. He didn't make him eat it. So he didn't make him go against, you know, his Jewish religion. And so he was saying, 
That's fine that you want to recognize these laws. That's fine that you want to still live by this. But this is not foundational to what the gospel is. It's fine that, you know, you want to do music this way in church. It's fine that you want to have this different kind of ministry. It's fine that you want to do this to reach people. But don't go and add that to the gospel when you're reaching out to other people in your community or, you know, with other churches. Don't say, well, you're doing this wrong in your church, and that's not right. So really, he's kind of trying to tell him to not add things to the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came and he died on the cross for us, and that through him we have salvation. And a lot of times we can raise those different things up, like our preferences in the church. How do we dress? What kind of music do we have? We can raise those up to the level of doctrine or up to the level of salvation and really put way too much importance on it. If you don't, if you don't like uh, how you go to a church and they dress a certain way or you don't like when you go there, they have a certain ministry or you don't like that they don't do music exactly how you like, that's fine. And if you want, you can you know, go to a church that has those kind of things. But when we take that and we start talking, you know, maybe about that church and say, well, this church, you know, they're really not serving God. They're not doing God's work. You know, they're going against the Bible just because they don't have, you know, the kind of ministry that you want or the kind of outreach that you like. Then that's when we're really in the wrong. We're really applying other things to the gospel. And so that's, that's really what God is trying to prepare him for. He's really putting this idea in his head that, listen, your Jewish traditions, those are fine, but don't go to these Gentiles and say, hey, if you're eating these things, if you're not following these certain laws, then you're not really following Christ. He's really just kind of breaking the gospel down to it's the, really just the guts and the bones of what the gospel really is. Um, so he, he has this idea. He's putting this idea into his head. He's teaching Peter that, first of all, the gospel is for everyone. We saw that in verse 28 of chapter 10. And he's also remembering, listen, I'm not supposed to add to the gospel. The gospel is what it is. Peter should know firsthand what it is. He really experienced it and lived it out with Jesus. Um, and, but the main thing to really kind of pull away from this is that Christ doesn't list, limit the gospel to anybody, um, which is awesome because if we were to say that, you know, Christ limits the gospel to certain people, um, how do we know that we're not part of those people that it's limited to? It's just like when people say, they're talking about the Bible, they say, well, this passage is true, you know, this passage is inspired by God, but this one right here, that really doesn't apply to us today. Well, if you're going to break the Bible apart and say parts of it are true, parts of it apply to us today, and parts of it don't, that's a really slippery slope because the Bible, we read throughout the Bible that there's no error in it. So if we're saying that there is error in it, how are we to know that that verse that says that the Bible has no error is right or wrong? Which becomes really scary because if there is error in the Bible, how do we know what's true and what's not? And so that's why it becomes very dangerous and, and a slippery slope for us to pick out different passages and say, well, this doesn't apply to us today. Um, this passage isn't true to us. Uh, we can ignore that passage. The entire Bible is sent to us for us to use. It's sent by God. It's inspired by him. And every single word, every single verse is, is true. And so just like that, there's no limit to the truthfulness of the Bible. There's no limit to who the gospel is for. And that's the big, the big thing that we can pull out of this passage. Who is, who is the gospel for? It's for everyone. So when we're looking at our ministry, whatever kind of ministry that we're wanting to start or our ministry that's already in place and we're wanting to take part in, what is the foundation of that ministry? First, we talked, the foundation needs to be Christ. Now we need to realize, okay, who is that ministry for? The ministry should be for everybody. 
Now, we understand that there's going to be different ministries. Like, we have ministries in our church that are literally limited by age. You know, we have the youth group for, you know, a certain age group. We have the junior church for a certain age group. That's not what we're talking about as far as, you know, ministry needs to be for everybody. Obviously, there's going to be those ministries that are reaching out certain groups of people. But ministry in and of itself, with the foundation being Christ, is for everybody. So, as we're reaching, you know, myself and Zach and Megan, we work with youth group on Wednesday nights. We need to make sure that when we're ministering on Wednesday nights with the youth group, that we're reaching out to everybody who kind of, you know, fits into that age group of, of the teen group that we have there. If we're limiting, you know, certain people from, like, oh, well, you know, you go to, I don't know, I don't know what school I should kind of uh, pick on here. Um, let's say you go to KPAC, you know. If you go to KPAC, you can't come to our ministry. Um, <clears throat> I was going to say Almont, but we have a couple Almont people in here, and I don't want to, you know, alienate any of them. So, uh, but uh, if you go to KPAC, you can't come to our, our, our teen group. Well, that's not the case. You know, we want to make sure that our youth group is for everybody. And so that's this idea that the ministry needs to be for everybody, not to exclude anyone. So we have the idea of what our foundation is. Our foundation needs to be Christ, and the ministry needs to be for everybody with no exceptions. So now the third thing that we're going to look at is the purpose of our ministry. What is the purpose? And again, we know that whatever our specific ministry is, you know, we have our addictions ministry on Tuesday nights. That's to reach people who are struggling with addictions of whatever it might be. Um, you know, I know that they've, we've had people from all different walks of life, people who struggle with many different things. Um, it's not narrowed down to just people who struggle with alcohol or something like that. So, you know, we have these different ministries that their specific purpose is to, okay, we're going to reach people who struggle with this. Or the youth group, our specific purpose is to reach the young people in our community. Um, so that's what we're going to look at right now. What is the purpose? So go ahead and turn. We're going to look at three different passages. Uh, none of them are going to be as long as the ones we've read so far, so don't get scared. We're not going to read a bunch more verses. But go to Matthew chapter 22. I know the teens don't really like when we do a lot of reading. Because um, usually if we have lots of verses, I'm going to ask some of them to read them. And they don't like reading out loud. They don't really like talking out loud unless they're talking about what they want to talk about. So uh, Matthew chapter 22. They also like talking out loud when somebody else is talking. That can get a little frustrating sometimes. But Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 37 through 40. <clears throat> it says in verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All right, now jump over to Matthew 28. We're just getting a few verses here to just kind of draw um, information from as to what our purpose needs to be. Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20. This is probably a pretty uh, familiar verse to a lot of people, or verses. It says there, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And then finally, jump over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I can jump over there too. All right, Acts chapter 1, we're going to read verse 8. It says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. <clears throat> 
So in these three verses that we just read, what is it that we're called to do? That's really what we're going to kind of focus where we get our purpose from. Um, because we know that as Christians, we're all called to do certain things. Yes, we all have, God has um, a specific will for each one of us in our life. But as Christians, as the church, we all have things that we've all been called to do collectively. So the first passage that we're going to kind of uh, review over is the passage there in Matthew chapter 22. And we saw in those, those two verses he's talking about, um, he's talking about the greatest commandment. And he says that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So what we're called to do here in Matthew 22 is, first of all, we need to love God with everything that we have, all of ourselves. He goes and he breaks it down into our heart and our soul and our mind. So what that really comes down to is love God with all of our mind. So every one of our thoughts, we need to be showing love to God with our thoughts. That means that our thoughts are pleasing to him. Um, and then loving God with all of our heart, like showing that love to him. And then because of that love that we show to him and that we get from him, we share that love with other people. And then loving him with all of our soul, just committing every part of us to serving him and to just spread his gospel throughout the world. And so that's what we get from Matthew 22, that our calling or our purpose is that we need to love God with everything that we have. And then also to take that, the second thing, and it says that the second commandment is like unto it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. So really we're to show that love of Christ to everybody. The fact that we're even able to love is because God first loved us. So what we're supposed to do as Christians, we're supposed to take that love and then live it out each and every day. Share that love of Christ with other people and love them how God would love them. And as we just talked about with our last point, God's love, the Bible, salvation, it's not limited to anybody. So that love of Christ, when we go and share that with others, we're not supposed to be excluding anybody. We're supposed to love everybody with the love of Christ. Um, so just kind of a thought as far as applying this back to our ministry, whatever it might be, just kind of have this thought in your mind. If you want to write it down, go ahead. Um, but if there's no love in ministry, then there's really no authenticity. Um, and... Danielle and TJ would probably remember this. I don't know. If, I don't think Deanna would. Uh, but one of the campus pastors who was at Liberty when I was there, he was actually over all of the, the Office of Student Leadership. But he had all these different, you know, catchphrases that he would always say. Um, and you brought him up around people. People could spit out two or three things that he's always saying. But one thing that he would always say to us um, all the time when he was talking about how we're ministering to those people on our hall, on our dorm, the people around us, He'll, he would always say that your students don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And so really that's saying, you know, especially when you're at a Christian college and you have a bunch of people who are majoring in religion and, you know, they feel like since they've taken two upper-level Bible courses that they know everything there is to know about God, that, you know, they can go ahead and talk to you and just use all these big theological words and just almost even talk down to you. Um, yeah, you know, that's impressive that you know how to say that guy's name with 15 syllables, but that really doesn't get me anywhere. And so that's what he was really just kind of pointing out was, listen, you can know anything that you want to know about the Bible, and you can have all this great knowledge, but they're not really going to care about that. They don't want to even take the time to listen to you unless they feel that you're really being genuine. And I actually saw this firsthand. My very first semester of being a prayer leader was my second semester of my freshman year. Um, and the reason that I did it, I had done it, was because my one friend was the SLD, and we had one of our prayer leaders moved uh, to another dorm or something like that. I can't remember what the circumstance was. 
but there was an opening for a prayer leader spot, and he talked to me. He said, um, is that something that you, you know, would want to do? Because um, I guess through different conversations we had, he kind of figured that that was something that I would be able to do um, and be able to serve the hall that way. And at that, time, at that point in time, I, I didn't think that that was anything that I could do at all. At that time, I was still majoring in computer science and wasn't majoring in uh, youth ministry. Uh, didn't think that I would ever be doing anything like I'm doing right now. Uh, so when he brought that to me, and that was just, you know, talking for 10 minutes on a Tuesday night, doing a little devotional, I didn't think that that was something that I could do. Um, but through prayer, I ended up uh, stepping up and doing it. And like I said before, very thankful that I did. But one of the guys who was in my group was a senior. And uh, first of all, to have a senior living on campus was, was kind of rare as it was. But uh, he, he and his previous years, whatever it might have been, he had a prayer leader at one point to where he just got the idea that the only reason he came and talked to me and asked for prayer requests or the only reason he was doing his prayer group on Tuesday nights was because that's part of his job as a prayer leader. And that was, like I was saying before, what I wanted to really make sure that the prayer leaders that I was over, I wanted to make sure that they were intentional with what they were doing because there's a lot of people who, you know, they'd been there for several years and they know, okay, I know that you have to come talk to me if I don't come to prayer group. I know that, you know, your boss is going to ask you if you're praying for them or whatever it might be. So they, this guy, he really felt that the only reason his prayer leader was coming to him was so that he could check off his checklist of, okay, I did this, I did this, I did this, I'm not going to get in trouble. And so he really didn't see any authenticity there. And so that made it really difficult for myself to come in. First of all, he's a senior, I'm a freshman, and now I have to try and reach out to him and show to him that, listen, I'm not just coming to talk to you because, well, I have to talk to you at least once a week. Um, so I really had to show that I was intentional with that. And so that's where that whole idea of this, this thought of if there's no love in ministry, then there's no authenticity. You know, on a Wednesday night, um, I can tell you one thing, and I'm sure Zach and Megan can tell you, if we didn't love doing it, reaching out to them like we did, uh, we probably wouldn't be doing it because it can be kind of frustrating and stressful sometimes because some days they can come in and be really, really cooperative and, like, they're just really attentive staring at you and almost throws you off. It's like, do I have something on my face or why, why are they staring at me so much? And then other days they just will not shut up. They'll just keep talking and talking and talking, and we're trying to calm them down, get them to focus. I don't know what it is, um, but sometimes it gets really stressful. So if we didn't love doing that, then it would be really, really easy to quit. Um, so that, that for, that's the thing that we want to pull away from this idea or this passage in Matthew chapter 22 is that if there's no love in ministry, then there's no authenticity. Um, so that second passage we looked at, chapter 28, we know that as the Great Commission. Um, so what do we want to pull away from that as far as what's the purpose of our, of our ministry? Well, we see a few things right there, three things really. First, spread the gospel. We know that we're supposed to do that, um, but it doesn't end there. You know, we can go out and we can bring as many people into our church and we can give the gospel to as many people that come in here or tell the gospel to every single person that we meet. And we can see many, many people converted, which is awesome because, again, that's what we're called to do. We're called to go out and share the gospel and to see somebody saved is an awesome, awesome thing. But we need to remember that it doesn't end there because if we stop right there um, and, you know, we have all of our seats filled, but we're not doing any kind of discipling, then we're going to be, you know, a lot like the church at Corinth where we're kind of losing focus as to 
what it is we're supposed to be doing in our lives as Christians, remembering that the focus is Christ. So once we spread the gospel, once we, you know, those people are converted and are coming to church or whatever it might be, we need to make sure that we're also teaching them, helping them grow closer to Christ each and every day. Um, and I know, I'm sure many people in here who have helped teach other people uh, who are young in the faith, you can say that, yes, you know that you're being helpful to them, but it's also very helpful to yourself when you're doing that. So we see to spread the gospel, we see to make disciples, and then we also see to continue to teach. Um, so those last two kind of go hand in hand. Um, but we also know that if we're teaching, um, we see in verse 20, it says, teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. Um, so first of all, we know that that's quite a few things that, God, that Christ has commanded us to do. Um, but we also know that Christ didn't just show them how to teach people with his words. He also showed how we need to teach people with our actions. Um, and that's really what we're able to pull out from the gospel and the life of Christ is that we're able to see how it is that we're supposed to live. And that's what we're supposed to do when we're teaching these people, not just with our words, but also with our actions. Um, so each ministry that we have, whatever it is that it might be, um, whether it's the Forever Young ministry or, you know, the, the nursery ministry, each ministry needs to have some aspect of all three of these, not just focus on one of them and just kind of forget the other because, again, we need that balance. We need to have that balance of all three of them. Um, and so that's really what we kind of pull away from this passage, that each ministry that we have should have some aspect, one way or another, of these three things, to spread the gospel, make disciples, and to teach everything that, that we were taught by Jesus and saw in his life. So that last passage that we looked at was Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so this is really kind of going back to that idea of who is the gospel for, who is our ministry for, um, that's where we really kind of get this whole idea from, is that it's for everybody. Acts 1.8, I'm going to read that again real quick for us. It says there, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So he's talking to them specifically about who they should reach. And I'm sure many of you have heard uh, sermons on this and heard, you know, the, the correlation between the things that are listed here and how we apply them to our lives today. Um, and so we, we see he lists off Jerusalem, and, you know, I'm sure you've heard that's our direct community. Judea and Samaria, you know, that's a little further out. Um, and then the uttermost part of the earth. Um, and again, really what we pull from that is we're to reach everybody. And this is, you know, this is one of those verses that you hear all the time if you go to, like, a missions conference or I'm sure, you know, you've seen lots of missionaries use this verse. Um, but it's because, obviously, it applies to us, but it's very, very important to remember. Um, and, you know, this is one of those verses that can almost become cliche because, yeah, you know, like, well, are you reaching your Jerusalem? Are you reaching out into Judea and Samaria? Um, and so it can also become one of those verses that we're using and using the, that kind of verbiage or the language that we see here to almost maybe make ourselves feel better you know, equating our community with, I'm reaching my Jerusalem. Um, and so that's one of those, you know, I guess trendy or catchy verses. But really it just come, it boils down to we're called to reach everybody. And yet we know that, you know, some of us, we might be pretty confined into our area. We might not be able to go out very far. Well, there's resources that we can do. Um, we have a wall of missionaries out here that we're able to support. So, you know, if, if you're not able to physically go halfway around the world and witness to somebody, you can still take part through prayer or financially in helping that 
um, come to fruition. And that in that, in together as the body of Christ, we're fulfilling this commandment. We're fulfilling the Great Commission even. So this last passage, we really just pull out the fact that we're called to reach everybody. We know that the ministry and that the gospel is for everybody. So that's who we're called to reach. So the purpose, the third thing that we talked about, the purpose. Our purpose is to show love and reach everyone to fulfill the Great Commission. So what should our ministry look like? That was the first question that we kind of asked and we brought up. And we looked at three different things to kind of fashion our ministry after. Um, really, first thing is the foundation. We talked about how the foundation needs to be Christ. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it, no exception. The foundation needs to be Christ. Because if it's anyone or anything else besides Christ, then it's going to crumble when those things are taken away. Um, secondly, we saw that it should be for everybody, that nobody needs to be excluded from our ministry and how we're reaching out into our community. And then finally, the purpose is to show love and fulfill the Great Commission. <clears throat> um, a quick kind of... Uh, I guess, picture that I was able to receive when I was in school, um, my first youth ministry class that I took, the professor, he had this really good um, image of how ministry needs to be. And part of the reason that I loved it so much was he brought in Krispy Kreme donuts for us. But he used the, this, this idea of a Krispy Kreme donut box. Um, and he said, you know, when you see that box, like if I were to bring it in today, which I didn't, so I'm sorry. But if, if I were to bring in a Krispy Kreme donut box today, you guys would be all excited. You're going to want to come up and get a donut. Um, if you like donuts, if not, then I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know how to reach you if you don't like a donut, but whatever. Um, so if I were to have that, you're going to want to come get a donut. You're going to want to, you know, have some of that delicious goodness that is a Krispy Kreme donut. But if you come up and you open it up and there's nothing in there, you're going to be pretty upset. You're not going to want to stick around very long. You're going to bolt right out the door and feel betrayed for the rest of your life that I did that to you. Now, I can also have the donut and have all this, you know, I can have it sitting up here. But really, that Krispy Kreme box is what's going to be able to draw you up. Because if I just had a donut sitting here, you're like, I like donuts, but, I mean, that could be, you know, a Kroger donut. It could be Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know what it might be. It could be a gas station donut from three weeks ago. But if I have that fresh Krispy Kreme box, that's what's going to draw you in. And so that's what he was saying, that, that our ministry, as far as reaching people, we're going to want to, we need to have these different things about how we're going to be able to draw people in. You know, how, what are the physical aspects of our ministry to reach the individual people, whatever it might be, for the youth group, uh, whatever it is. Um, how is our, like, what is the physical picture of our ministry? And that's good. We need to have those kind of things to be able to reach out to people and relate to people. But we don't need to focus just on that. And we also need to make sure that we don't get too caught up in that and saying, well, we'll do whatever we can and, you know, make our ministry look like whatever it needs to look like to draw people in. Because we also want to make sure that we do stand out from the world. We do want to make sure that people know that we are a church. We are here to serve Christ. Um, so we need to have those things that are going to be attracting people to our ministry. But at the same time, when they get there, you want to have that meat of the ministry, the main focus of what the ministry is to begin with, which is Jesus Christ. And so we need to have that balance of that, that nice-looking Krispy Kreme box that draws you in and then that hot steaming donut that keeps you around for a while. So I really like that picture um, from the get-go. I always thought that, that was a really cool thing. And he does that every semester for his, um, his first-level class um, when he first introdu introducing, you know, the youth ministry to you. Um, so that's always really stuck with me um, since then. 
So just kind of keep that picture in mind. You know, if you um, forget some of the stuff we talked about today, just kind of remember that. And I'm sure next time you see a Krispy Kreme donut or a box, that's something that you're going to think about. Um, so after talking about all these different things, let's kind of go back to that definition of ministry that I kind of gave to you guys at the beginning. Um, and that definition is ministry is when we use our resources and programs to reach, serve, and spread the gospel throughout our community, our country, and throughout the world. So whatever our ministry is, whatever age group, whatever kind of people it is that we're trying to reach, um, whether it's people who are young in their faith or, you know, people who have been saved for 30 years, you know, we need to make sure that all these things still apply, that the foundation needs to be Christ, recognizing that it is for everybody, and make sure that we're reaching everybody and fulfilling that great commission. Um, and like I said before and last week, there might be some of us who we know that God is calling us to serve in some kind of ministry in the church. Um, and some of us, you know, might be a little nervous of stepping out there and doing something like that. We might be being called out of our comfort zone and we're really not sure how to deal with that. Um, I would encourage you to definitely continue to pray about it and, and really just kind of think about what we talked about today, about what ministry is really boiling down to. Like, you don't need to be this super experienced person. Really, a lot of it is just spending time with people and relating to people and just having conversations and sharing the love of Christ. Um, and that's really, you know, what it kind of boiled down to me when I was a uh, step up and took that uh, prayer leader position. That wasn't something that I had done before, really. Um, but when it just kind of when I just kind of realized that it was really just spending time with some other people and encouraging them in Christ and talking about the Bible with them, uh, it became much more of an easier decision to do and follow through with. Um, so if that's you this morning, if you're um, struggling with whether or not to uh, join and take part in a ministry or maybe God's been laying on your heart that you want to start a new ministry, um, don't be afraid to, to go after that and to follow through with that calling. Um, but we're going to go ahead. We're going to have a time of invitation. Um, so... And uh, when Jeff's up here, he's just going to be playing. Um, I'm not going to sing along with him. I'm just going to have some, uh, some instrumental in the background. Um, but if, if you fall under any of those areas, if you feel God calling you to serve in some kind of ministry, whether it's in the church or maybe God's calling you to serve overseas as a missionary somewhere, um, I would just encourage you to come and pray about that and just con continue to seek his will each and every day. Um, but let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll have a time of invitation. Dear God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, the good weather that we have outside, and I thank you for bringing all of us here today. And I just uh, thank you that um, somebody at one point in our lives was able to reach out and minister to us one way or another um, in whatever aspect it might be, whatever tool they might have used, God. But I thank you that you sent those people and uh, that we were able to find you, God. And I just pray that as uh, we continue throughout our morning and continue throughout our day and our week, um, that if you're calling anybody in here to uh, serve in ministry, that we can just really um, just kind of bring our hearts and our minds back to what ministry is all about to begin with, God, uh, that the foundation is you, that um, nobody needs to be excluded from it, God, and that really we're just um, here to fulfill what you've called us to do as far as the Great Commission and uh, to just spread the gospel and, and raise up disciples to serve for you, God. Um, and I just pray that you would uh, be with us um, throughout the rest of this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.